Welcome to Wonderfully Done, a wholesome show about sex, communication, and loving yourself. You're listening to Lauren. And I'm Vix. We are two cute little sex nerds living in Melbourne, Australia. We have a particular obsession and love for learning about everything to do with fucking, how to get what you want, how to have great relationships that make your heart sing, and how to have those hard conversations that you really want to avoid. In today's questions, we cover topics such as navigating partners' hang-ups when you're a young queer virgin, voicing what you want in the moment during sex, and questioning boundaries in mixed sexuality relationships. So with Wonderfully Done, we like to offer listeners, you know, an hour and change of sitting down with your favorite dorky, fun, accepting, warm pals and aunties that will chat with you about whatever's bothering you, whatever you're curious about, whatever you were too afraid to ask. We are like the human personification of the sealed section of Cosmo, if you're old enough to have grown up with that. Uh, If you're not, you know, we basically consider ourselves to be friendly and approachable. We are not professionals. We aren't doctors, relationship uh, counselors or therapists. We are just people with a real passionate amateur curiosity so to speak we really like this to be a shame minimal zone Uh, we are making this in order to challenge our own shame and we want listeners to practice not judging themselves and to basically feel less alone so vix i would love to hop into the mailbag and start off with the first of our lovely questions dear wonderfully done Whenever my partner and I are having sex, they will often ask me in the moment what I want, and my mind goes blank. I feel like I do know what I enjoy, so why do I space out when asked? What can I do to help manage this? So I feel like this is something that a lot of the listeners are probably nodding along to. Uh, I don't know about yourself, Vix, but I've absolutely had this. Oh my God, I have this all the time. Like, and I like to think of myself as a, as a woman who knows what she wants, but uh, you get me in the moment and I'm, you know, for so many reasons, right? Like I'm spaced out, I'm thinking about something else, I'm worrying about whether I should be doing the pleasing, I'm wondering what might feel best. Like, yeah, it's it, throwing that in the mix when I'm already trying really, really hard to concentrate on like the thing that's actually happening could just really throw me. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of like when you overthink it when you're walking upstairs and then you kind of trip a little bit sometimes. For me, I feel like if you're having sex in the moment and you know exactly what you want to have happen next or you're thinking about that we're going to do this and then we're going to do this and then we're going to do that, you might actually be robbing yourself of pleasure and like being present in the moment. So I just want to say like no one should feel bad for not having an exact response when someone says, what do you want or what do you want next? Because it's kind of an engaging activity and we don't always like have a plan exactly linearly about what we want to have done. So yeah, I just want to lift that shame off you, dear listener. Lots of us have totally been there and it's not bad to not feel exactly sure or have something straight out of the pocket. No, absolutely. Like it's not like a fucking movie where the plot is set in stone and This must follow that, followed by this for a duration of three minutes and 33 seconds. Um, You know, I feel like actually people really don't admit it 
often enough or just say this out loud, but it's okay to not know exactly what you want in every single bloody moment in any headspace that you might be in. Like it is totally, it is totally normal to uh, falter there. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of us just really enjoy having like a brain mush moment, like being totally relaxed, thinking off, you know, brain out um, and just enjoy that sort of brain mush kind of time where even responding to questions or even talking can be difficult. And that's why establishing consent and having a good connection and an ongoing communication is a good thing to do so that you can totally have brain mush sometimes, communicate when you need to and sort of navigate imperfectly sort of through that space. So a lot of the time consent chats, I think are easier than tell me what you want to do. So for me being like, Uh, I'd really love to grab your boobs or would you like me to go down on you kind of thing. That's a little bit easier than what do you want me to do or what do you want next kind of thing. But instead, like, would you like this or would you like that sort of saying, you know, would you like um, Indian or Japanese for dinner rather than what do you want for dinner? Because I think especially if a bunch of our senses and our brain box are kind of locked up already, it can be a little bit easier to come to the table with suggestions. Yeah, like sort of, I feel like we're so often encouraged to ask open-ended questions in life, but I think in these kinds of moments, yes or no's are (laughs) a lot easier for everybody involved. And I also think that it's nice, like when you are offering to, to give pleasure, to sort of specifically articulate what something you might like to do for them and then if it's a no then you can you can work from there but like I feel yeah having a starting point could be a lot more successful I think like because then it's like ah yes I would like you to go down on me and then while that's happening then you might be actually like oh I'd really love some digits in my butthole but you know you're a lot closer to getting there than just a cold hey I want your fingers in my butt like when your brain is mush you know Something that I think is a a really good exercise to explore outside of the sex moments as well, you know, when you're having a mess or when you're fantasizing or just thinking and reflecting yourself about sex and desire and pleasure can also be thinking about what you like physically in sex, but also how do you like to feel emotionally in sex sometimes as well? Because for me, it's not just I like people going down on me. I think there's five different emotional ways I can feel when someone goes down on me. Like, do I feel powerful? Do I feel loved? Do I feel observed? Do I feel generous kind of thing? And so understanding ways that you emotionally like to feel and maybe some ideas on these things physically in this way sometimes make me feel X way emotionally, if that makes sense, can also be a bit of a good exploration. Like you like people spanking you. How do you like to feel when someone's spanking you kind of thing? So when you're in the moment, you could be like, I want to feel a bit powerful right now, or I want to feel very loved and supported right now, or I want to feel watched and worshipped right now. And being able to connect that to a couple of different physical options, uh, I think is a good thing to have in the sexy toolbox. Oh, I never... What I should say is I really think about in that moment how I want to feel. And that sounds like such a helpful way to think about it. Because I think those desires I could a lot 
more easily articulate because I feel like I'm pretty much always in the zones of like honestly actually slices of everything you said so I shouldn't say that but (laughs) but if you have some that you're like oh like my home zone is that I know reliably I do enjoy feeling worshipped for example yeah loved and worshipped are like two of my like go-tos and it's kind of like actions that that fit in in there or can be styled <laughs> you know more lovingly like when someone's going down on you and giving you also like lots of like tender like strokes or kisses or sort of like really like like holding onto your body in like quite a meaningful way with yeah having their arms sort of like wrapped around you while they're kind of like dived into you like yeah there's like ways you can format the actions for the feelings oh this is just such a nice wavelength of thinking Lauren thank you so much for sharing yeah absolutely I think it's the kind of thing that helps me when I get a bit tongue-tied and a lot of it can come from um, at like even things like reading erotica or reading smutty stuff because in porn you can see what is happening, but you can't always read how the actors or the people might be feeling emotionally about it. Whereas if you read lit erotica and you read smut, the emotions and like the interior journey of the participants is often such a written about part and not just like what's physically happening there. So uh, if anyone is sort of struggling with the concepts that I'm talking about, go and just like read more literotica and read more written sexy stuff. Yeah, honestly, that makes me think that definitely I haven't read enough. And like, I, I think I was thinking about this this week and sort of like the way I consume porn and how kind of like, I guess my go-to stuff is stuff that's a bit more like hardcore um as like a a tool and kind of I guess soft core doesn't really do a lot for me because when I look at hardcore I'm imagining those physical sensations and it's almost kind of like actually completely devoid of the part you're talking about which is like how do I actually want this to make me feel and I feel like this stuff seems to be talked about I feel like a little bit more free-flowing with how you figure things out in kink in BDSM because I feel like in those power roles how you feel within those scales yeah it's quite important and quite an important way that you figure out what you're going to do and why so yeah of course why wouldn't we try using that same way of thinking for more generalized sexual encounters totally completely agree and I am nodding along here and just as another little practical tip as someone who does go oh I don't know what I want Blair and struggles to like be present with my own thoughts and desires a whole bunch of the time just anyway um is that if you are getting busy with someone and they ask what do you want and you you have that oh like white noise feeling if you like what they're doing just say to them to just keep going and just give you a few minutes and you can just sit back and relax while you think about what you want next because I'm not usually ready with like do this immediately next but I might like to have a few minutes of this pleasurable thing that we're doing while I think about it so this uh listener might might uh practice that a little bit to say if you're having sex with your partner and you're enjoying whatever's going on right now and they ask just take a bit of time to think about it because you are getting your brains fucked out right now potentially (laughs) so you do just need a minute to collect yourself Yeah, totally. I think it's also good to just like keep a few things like in your back pocket that you always enjoy. I think that can just be, you know, it's nice and easy 
and helpful and a really nice little exercise to sit down with yourself and be like, in past, like, what physical sensations have I enjoyed the most or have gotten me to X, Y, or Z place that I wanted to go to? Um, and what are things that I think about but maybe don't ask for or can't in the moment? And then maybe it's a little bit more about, you know, getting a plan together to actualize some of those. Because I think when you haven't sort of like discussed it a little bit beforehand, it can make it a little bit more intimidating to ask for things that are maybe outside of what you usually ask for, which I think maybe can kind of add into sort of the the hang up and and mind going a bit blank because I also think part of the blankness at least for me sometimes is like actually I'd quite like them to do this but I feel a bit a bit nervous and vulnerable to ask in this moment while I'm you know naked and our fluids are already all over each other which should feel like oh but they're already seeing everything so why would you be nervous but like there's still you know uh, a very wide scale of places to feel you know nervous and vulnerable in there. This really reminds me of a conversation that I had with a friend once where she's really, really shy and was having a a bit like was a total horn dog for like porn and literatica and all this kind of stuff. And there were all these things that she wanted to try. And she actually had this little box of cards that she would take for hookup dates or when she was seeing dudes or whatever. And she would just tell them like every 10 minutes, just take a new card out and then ask if I want whatever is on the card. And it would be things like lick my feet or slap my boobs or like do whatever so she would just get them to just regularly take a card out and say it says smack your boobs would you like that right now okay no next card kind of thing and that was almost like it almost made it kind of like a game and it helped her kind of get options for yes no and sort of you know, kickstarted the consent conversation a bit. I thought that was pretty cute. That could be Ah. a good fun thing too. Yeah, I love outsourcing the brain juice. It's like, I've already put the work into this later. And yes, obviously anything that's a game, I'm like, yay, let's play. I love sex to be playful. One, One other suggestion that I would have, which I'm a big fan of for so many scenarios, is setting up a nice non sexual sex chat with your partner, partners, whoever you're involved with dating, and sort of like invite them into the discussion. Discussion and you can sort of be like quite upfront about it. It's like I am tr- having trouble in the moment when you ask me what I want. Sometimes my head goes blank. How together could we make that easier or what would be a fun way of working with that? And then it's sort of like a really lovely space too where you can like reaffirm to that partner and make it super clear that you really, really enjoy being intimate with them, that you love receiving, giving pleasure with them, whatever your dynamic of giving, receiving is because I think that's a thing too is the partner who is doing the asking sometimes of what would you like even though it isn't the most helpful way to to get the most out of the person you want to please right but it's still putting yourself out there as like wanting to give and sometimes when someone can't think of something to say to you then it can kind of feel a little bit like a micro rejection so it's kind of nice to yeah sort of come back and reaffirm with each other like me not knowing what to say in the moment is no reflection of you know me not wanting you or wanting your touch or wanting to be intimate with you you know Yes, I think that's a very, very important thing to put an underline on because as you say, yeah, I think it can feel like a bit of a micro-rejection or it could feel like something that breaks the momentum between two people and stuff like that. So that's really, really hard. So yeah, just in summary for this listener, I would say 
what you're experiencing is very common. Lots of us totally experience it. It is very, very okay. It doesn't mean that you are a sex idiot or totally out of touch with what you like and things like that. The headspace can be totally different in the midst of sex. And so there's a few things that we've talked about in terms of like homework or scaffolding or architecture you can do outside of sex to sort of practice a little bit of a go list of things that's a comfort zone for you or practice talking to your partner about how to communicate with each other. Is it about making suggestions, making it options and just having this ongoing consent conversation? And yeah, just to tell the partner that any sort of fumble or hesitation at the moment isn't any hesitancy around sex necessarily, but can just be, you know, the head mush super enjoying things And things like asking for a couple of more minutes or asking for a question to be rephrased is totally valid. And we hope you can go and keep on having cool, sexy adventures. Dear Wonderfully Done, I'm bi, but my boyfriend is straight. We've been together in a monogamous relationship for about six years. However, he says he doesn't mind if I hook up with women because he isn't threatened by them. I used to think this was great and have loved that freedom, but lately I've been feeling a bit weird about it. Is this lack of threat from women because he doesn't believe they're a viable actual partner for me? Is this biphobia? I know I need to talk to him about this, but I'm nervous. Dear listener, you are correct. There will definitely be much talking ahead in your future, so hopefully Auntie Vix and I can help set the stage for this conversation a little bit. Vix, I have totally had experience very similar to this. How about yourself? I feel like I feel like I should have had more experience than I have. <laughs> Probably in my uh, more monogamous forays. It was only really with like one of my last partners that I even kind of mentioned wanting to be with women but I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before but like my most distinct memory with it was telling him that I wanted to sleep with women and him pausing and being like with me and I was sort of like no Uh, And that's really about as far as uh, we got with that. So please uh, inject this with your experience, Lauren. (laughs) Yeah, for myself uh, in the past with with a partner who was assigned male at birth um, that we'd been together for a really long time. And then there was this conversation about opening up the relationship when they were going to be overseas for quite a while. And it started as a comfort zone that I would only hook up with other women. But that was also a limit that I suggested because also like I don't have a lot of super frequent attraction to men and everything. And I was more interested in women and femmes and things like that. So it was something that started as a really early limit in that relationship opening up. It is something that did very quickly hit a snag sort of a few years in as this listener has of like, this is great. And then you're like, wait, why though? (laughs) Like, let's, let's slow down and think about this a little bit more. And so it is a limit that came off and it even is a limit where 
the limit was reduced of like, yes, hooking up with dudes is all good, but then limits on certain types of like sexual activity and stuff. And again, it wasn't that partner imposing. It was also me making suggestions. I was also looking for the security and safety of limits. So I think a lot of people can identify with this as a starting point, but then it is just like, where do we go from here? And so when you're in the bi community, when you're in the poly community, flirting with couples and then one half of a couple having really strict limits and the other partner not can feel really asynchronous and really difficult to try and navigate. So there really is a lot of layers to it, isn't it, Vix? Like we could be very harsh about this and just criticize the boyfriend having limits, but It's also extremely understandable to have comfort zones, right? And have insecurities that can get dinged in these situations pretty easily. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the thing, right? When you're unwrapping sort of feelings in these areas around sex, sexuality, how we feel about relationships, like there's so much hairy, weird stuff in there tied up with shame, lack of communication, lack of self-reflection, lack of healthy representations of these things that you've seen IRL. Yeah, every everything is so tangled that I think it's really hard to know why anyone feels exactly the way they do about anything (laughs) sounds like such a cop-out but it sounds like you're kind of like in the part of the journey where you're just starting to ask yourself a few questions about these and the framing yes it would kind of just be easy to maybe throw partner under the bus but like you know reading this question as some you know I'm bi but if I said that I haven't been affected by by biphobia I'd be a fucking liar like we all live in this like repressive society (laughs) and we have all been affected by it no matter what the labels are that we use to describe ourselves so I wonder if some of like the like jerk reaction is a little bit maybe due to some of your own feelings and hang-ups maybe feeling some guilt possibly for like feeling like that was okay before and it's not okay now and then maybe weirdness of like why isn't the partner up to this point in the their question asking journey? But that's the thing. I guess you're saying you're wanting to have that conversation because it's hard to say what your partner actually thinks about any of it. Like unless you've talked about it very specifically. Like have you ever asked that very specific question of like why don't you feel threatened? <laughs> why is it okay with women? <laughs> and like and ob- obviously a non confrontational tone. Um, but it's just a, a curiosity of like learning at least what some of their feelings are on the surface because that's the thing too when you're opening these kinds of discussions I feel like sometimes maybe the first lot of stuff that somebody says about them might not actually even be their true feelings because you have to do some deeper work sometimes to find those things sorry does that make any sense Lauren? (laughs) yeah totally totally makes sense and there are just lots of absolutely lots of layers to that and I think A lot of what you're talking about, I'm just absolutely nodding along to because I think this comes up as a question with bi and pan femmes a lot, like in the non-monogamy space of like, I'm here, but my partner's over there. And like, what do we do to try and talk compassionately about it? And it's not just a blame game and it's not just a tough time where everyone gets their feelings dinged kind of thing. There is a bit of a trickiness here where... If I'm talking about sexism, if I'm talking about biphobia, I'm not attacking the boyfriend. I'm not I'm not criticizing the boyfriend harshly, but even subconsciously, 
there can be a lot with men, I feel, where when it comes to conversations around non-monogamy or sexuality or sexual practices, a lot of the their yardstick is like, is this hot to me or not? So, you know, for the dude to be like, oh, when my girlfriend hooks up with women, I can enjoy that. That is sexually interesting for me. That is appealing for me. My girlfriend wants to hook up with other men. That's not sexually appealing to me. And because I'm not, this does not spark joy, <laughs> so to speak. I don't know. I can't feel good about this. Uh, ugh, like, what does it make me if I enjoy any aspect of my girlfriend sleeping with other men? Oh no, panic spiral kind of thing. So there can be a lot of layers to it, but there is a really common thing of a guy being like, oh, Women being together is sexy. I agree with the boyfriend. Women being together is sexy. But because he can't enjoy that element of other things she wants to do, it's like, oh, ooh, it's harder to feel good about it or harder to use that as a guiding principle, so to speak. Oh, I just don't know if I'd ever thought about it as succinctly as the, is this something I can enjoy sexually or not? And I'm just like big like, oh, <laughs> I think it's really unconscious for all of us, including that boyfriend and dude. Like, this boyfriend will actually still have to do a lot of thinking and feeling and sorting out about this, for sure. But, you know, at the end of the day, if your partner is not into something and it's a no for them, even if we say, theoretically, yes, there is a little bit of potentially some toxic masculinity in here, there is insecurity in here, there's work to be done, that doesn't mean that we're giving the listener the license to barrel ahead and go sleep with a whole bunch of dudes, because I think you do have to go really slowly if you have partners that are working on exploring their positions and moving it because like I didn't I didn't change that part of my non-monogamy for years like it was a really slow process so it's not like an argument that has to be won you know you won't you won't do something good for your relationship if you explain to your partner why they're wrong and make them agree with you and then go and do the thing that you want, right? Like that's, <laughs> you can't bully them to change their position. It has to be like a compassionate ongoing thing. Even in the way that this question is phrased, it's kind of not specifically saying that they want to be having in an open relationship, but it sounds like what they're describing is already kind of an open relationship with stipulations that's not being called an open relationship so I feel like as we answer most questions on the show that a, a good big honest chat seems really good and maybe for you too like stepping back a little bit and thinking like what are you actually wanting out of romantic and sexual relationships right now is the one that you have right now meeting your needs is there a way that you might like to reshape it so it does meet your needs and have yeah have create some space to come together and see if that's something that you and current partner can make work absolutely and like compassion and support around insecurity is a very kind thing that you can do because like for myself if I have a partner that has another partner that really hits a lot of boxes for me for insecurity. Like say they're super slender and have blonde hair and have blue eyes and have perfect skin and all these kinds of things. Like I would probably need, and it's my responsibility to ask for extra reassurance around that and listen to how I feel and try and talk directly about how I feel around that partner. Not for me to control and shape it, but to actually just share more about how I'm feeling 
And that's completely how I would summarize this for the listeners. Like Vix and I are totally encouraging you to have a structured, compassionate, ongoing conversation. You're not coming to the table to say, here's this dude I want to hook up with next Wednesday. It sounds like this listener is saying, let's sit down and I want to understand more about why women aren't intimidating for you or hit insecurities here that theoretically you might be uncomfortable if I see men. Can we talk about that more and just break that down a bit more and just understand that this is a really common issue and stumbling block. It's a very common first position for mixed gender couples to come from. You can end up getting to a position where you have less rules. um, You've started there as a safety net and maybe those things move and maybe those things don't, but it sounds like there's still a lot more to like understand about each other in the process. Dear Wonderfully Done So I'm a 25-year-old lesbian virgin who is absolutely tired of partners treating me like glass once I tell them. I want to be upfront about it because I'm not sure what to expect from my first time, especially since pain with penetration is a big problem for me and honesty is important. Because of that, my partners will draw away or tell me straight up they cannot continue dating me. I just want some hickeys and scratches. Do you guys have a better way to approach the topic of asking a partner to be more rough and not be scared of how my first time is going to go? So there's really many, many layers here. We've got virginity. We've got communication. We've got penetration anxiety. We've got communication around wanting things rough. So we're going to try and navigate through this, sectioning off those little bits a bit. So one thing in terms of wanting rough sex or being interested in rough sex is that your partners, if you're disclosing virginity, just might not be comfortable mixing rough sex with that sex generally. And especially if you've had pain with penetration, it's probably quite a good idea for the penetration part to not be rough, aggressive, um, or super assertive. What you can ask for, and what I would encourage conversation about, is really liking rough foreplay, rough sort of outer course, grabbing, scratching, making out, that part being rough, and just be open to sectioning that off a little bit. But then if you are wanting to explore penetration with a partner, it really is a good idea, in my opinion, that everybody goes slow if you are not sure how you're going to respond to it or you've had issues with uh, with pain and things like that before. That's just one little, one little area I'd like to section off and, and talk about a little bit there. No, I think that's really important because, yeah, we start really strongly with it. It sounds like it being related to virginity being treated maybe more uh, softly or tenderly and then moving straight to like I want a partner to be rough like that's I yeah I think for a lot of people going to be a a big jump virginity is still funny concept in this world isn't it and this this purity culture that we live in like there are so many tricky hang-ups discourse and shame around it like it really what even is virginity today like where do we draw the line for how we consider sex, like, it's really, it's really tricky. Um, and so I think, yeah, I mean, what Lauren, I don't need, I can't even really add anything intelligent to what uh, Lauren suggested, because that sounds perfect. Like, I, I guess, like, what does, what does rough mean to you? Like, what, what are you specifically looking for? 
But relating to the earlier question about like, how do you want to feel? Is it actually, do you, do you want to be top? Do you want somebody else to be taking control of what's happening or legitimately like, yeah, rough touch? Like you've described hickeys and, and scratchings. I'm like, is this some interest and maybe some more primal sort of play, which is, you know, totally, totally a cool thing, but it's also kind of different than like, will you take my virginity? Yes. Yes. I, and the whole, I think it's so good that you're bringing up the what is virginity question, because if this listener is terming virginity as penetrative sex with a partner, whether that's with a strap or we're talking about fingers or we're talking about whatever else, I think, I mean, even I can relate to it. I will enjoy really, really sort of rough rough foreplay, fighting, biting, doing all kinds of stuff. But if someone has anything penetrative and just starts doing that to me without having like a, we're going to talk about it. Do you want this? Would you like this? And go slow for that first amount of penetrating me with anything. I will fly kick them off the bed. It's not like rough sex here, rough sex for everything involved with the sex kind of a conversation. So again, it's not like you start rough and the whole thing will be so rough. And I would just stress that if you haven't done something for the first time, letting someone know, hey, I haven't done this for the first time and I'm not sure how I'm going to respond to it. That really does need to be quite a conscious, slowed down kind of a moment. I'd also be interested in, you know, for this listener, when if they have experienced some pain with penetration and they say it's a big problem for them are they sure that they want to have penetrative sex because you don't have to have penetrative sex like if you're interested in having it with a partner but there's these complex levels to it maybe even go and see a professional you know they will be a lot uh, they'll be really uh, trained in handling you know, painful penetration, ongoing communication, slowing down. You don't have to worry about their ego. You don't have to worry about whatever else as long as you're being respectful. But maybe navigate some of this with a professional a little bit, especially if you've got this virginity hang up kind of thing. And you want someone that's not going to say, I can't do this actually, (laughs) you know, and leave sort of a situation. It could be a good way of compromising. Yeah, I mean, like, that's a whole journey in itself, right? Like, do I enjoy being penetrated? <laughs> like, and that it really isn't the only way to define sex, like, at, at all. Like, that's, it's, I guess that's 101 understanding, but my friend, there is, there is so much more out there. <laughs> I, I think just I would like to note on, on penetration, like, being that painful like in in general unless there's sort of something else going on when done correctly it really shouldn't it shouldn't be painful it sounds like if you haven't already this could be a really cool thing to have a chat to your doctor about this sounds a little bit like it could be vaginismus um, so that could be a really, you know, a really cool thing to have a talk to a doctor about. Uh, and there are lots of things that, that you can sort of do there to help your sweet veg, like, you know, stretch out a little bit and get a little bit more used to having things put inside you there. Because there's so many things behind that one, like, and a lot of it being like, mental blocks so like as a for your own um sexual pleasure exploration that could be a cool thing to check out 
Yeah, totally. Pelvic floor physios are out there to help you understand your vag. And, you know, just a big old red underline and the fact of you don't have to have penetrative sex with your vagina if you don't want to. But if you're interested in trying it, you want to understand a bit more. Uh, it's good to get the little uh, vagina in question checked out with a pro, see if there's anything else that could be going on, any other tips, tricks, or tools that might help. Otherwise, you know, work on it in your own masturbation life if you fancy, and maybe uh, take the virginity um, off the table with a professional, potentially. There's a lot of different options here. So, you know, there is many layers to this conversation around virginity, wanting things rough, anxiety around penetration, communication. It is also still okay if you speak to people and they're not comfortable being the first person to do something. Sometimes that's someone saying, you know what, I'm not great at penetration. I'm not great at communication. I might not be a great fit for someone's first time. I don't want to call it the trash taking itself out. But, you know, if someone's not at that level and maybe not going to do the best job at being a first experience. I think that really is important to bring up. Like I can definitely understand like how deeply frustrating this must be that behavior is changing uh, once you give them this piece of information, but it's you're trying to find somebody that's looking to join you on this point in your journey and where some people are on their journeys is they don't they don't want to do beginner 101 hand holding first time explorations with someone that potentially they don't know that well so that can be it can be hard and like it, I feel like with the strange feelings there are in society around virginity I I think it can feel, you know, a bit more of a personal rejection than I think it might actually be. If I'm being fully honest, like, am I at the stage sexually where I want to be for what they consider sex to be? I'm not sure that I do, which is really funny when you think about it, being that I'm bisexual and the sexual experiences that I still want to have with women are still extremely learner beginner so I'm you know extremely hopeful that I will meet <laughs> some people that are okay with someone who is less experienced but I definitely you know I'm aware of and accept that that's not going to be something that everybody's looking for and it's so it's it's not necessarily about you and I think it's great that you're going with the approach of being upfront about it because I mean it sounds like that's still important to you in the, at least the, the fear aspect. It sounds like sort of something that you might be looking for in this experience is while you might want rough aspects of the sex, it sounds like you do want somebody to be kind and understanding to the fact that, you know, this is, this is the beginning, this starting line, this uh, is sexual life and what you're considering right now as sex quotation marks uh, is just beginning. Absolutely. And I do think there is an element of the combination here of being interested in rough sex, but hasn't had penetrative sex and maybe has some pain with penetration that if I was looking at hookups, because again, we don't know if this is in relationships, dating, ongoing, monogamous, and then escalating or the relationship gets to this point, or if it's hookups, because if I was looking for hookups with women and 
that was on people's laundry list of things, I wouldn't begrudge them. I'd be like, this person is doing a great job of telling me where they are, what they're interested in, and what might be a consideration. But also, I don't know that I would jump at that hookup. It's not that this person doesn't have a hell of a lot to offer, but I would just be like, oh, I'm very, I'm very conscious of not hurting this person, having it be a good experience, and again, what elements of rough sex do they actually mean? Because I'm someone that likes rough sex, but I do not like rough penetration or it absolutely has to not happen that way or like start that way. So, so many different speeds to what's going on. You are extremely valid in what you're interested in. Your frustration is very understandable and there's a lot of exploring that can be done. Yeah, I think like you hit on something really important there. Whereas once you know that somebody, you know, considers themselves a virgin in some way, shape or form, it almost does feel like you immediately have like an extra level of care that you are meant to provide to making sure that like your first time is great, you know, Um, which, yeah, yeah, not everyone wants to sign up for that. Some people don't know what certain sex things will kick off for them because this person might know that they like rough foreplay, but rough sex or even any penetration might give them a really unexpected emotional reaction. Like there's lots of dudes out there that would like to get pegged, but I probably wouldn't go out there and peg dudes that have never been pegged before because I'm like, there's a lot of education involved. There's a lot of, do you understand how your body reacts? Do you understand how you react emotionally? do you know how to do all this groundwork kind of thing that isn't really different to other types of penetrative sex, but there's just lots of dudes out there that haven't been penetrated by another person. So it's complicated. Yeah, I think, you know, a a good thing to have a think about is like in terms of like what are you actually looking for overall? Because like from the way that this question is phrased – I'm not quite sure. You probably have a much better idea. Like, are you looking to date? Uh, Are you looking for a partner? Are you just looking for casual sex? Is it to get the virginity out of the way? Because all of these different goals can dramatically affect what sort of approach you're taking because it's kind of like if the virginity at this stage is just more of a like, you're holding me back. I don't want to have to tell people this anymore. I want it out of the way. Yes, going and seeing a professional ASAP sounds like an awesome thing to do. Then no matter how the experience goes, no matter how you respond, like all of that is okay. You're with a professional who's going to look after you and they know what you're doing. And then you just don't have to worry about that label anymore. Like maybe that's a lovely gift to give yourself. A million percent. And so, yeah, wrapping this up, there's just multiple, multiple layers to this. We completely support this listener on their journey. We recommend breaking it down a little bit more to think about it in its different elements. Try a few different things. Consider what their approach has been so far. And basically just navigate this and feel free to navigate it by breaking it down. You don't have to have perfect, rough, penetrative sex (laughs) for the first time and just have every element of what you want, but maybe break it down a little bit more. So we hope we've made some helpful suggestions there. It's time to do uh, Learny Lane, uh, which is all about us sharing things that we are learning about with you. How nice is that? 
We love it because we are nerds, we consume lots of media, many types of media on many different topics. But if we have done something that has been a bit educational and our brains have absorbed some juice, we like to pass it on to you. So Vix, what have you been enjoying over the last little while that has put juice in your brain? Well, <clears throat> I've just started a new book uh, called Emotional Agility. As usual, when I talk about books I'm reading on this podcast, I've only just started it. It is a book by Suzanne David, and it began as an article which was really well received by people. So she decided to make it into a book. The basic sort of premise of what it's about is to get a better handle on your emotional reactions and not letting those control your life. So it's sort of about accepting your feelings as they are. And I guess I really like things that are all about the sentiment of acceptance because I feel like it's one of the most, I say easy with bunny ears, that one of the easiest ways to get more of a soft flow in your life when every new event that happens <laughs> isn't sort of like triggering you into your learned responses and having, you know, uh, various kinds of emotional meltdowns. Like I feel like when we think about emotional meltdown, we're like crying, um, you know, can't do anything. But I feel like how emotional meltdowns actually work in our life follow a bit more of a, a broad scale than that. You know, it could be like not reaching out for help. Not talking to your friends for a few weeks, not asking for help at work, lots of help related stuff. But um, yeah, I'm just really interested uh, to see what this book has got for me. It is presented as four part sort of toolkit. So I guess, honestly, I'll have to report back when I've read more. I'm sorry that I have so little about it for you so far, but uh, I'm in the very first part of the book and just really razzed up and like can't wait to to read more. So it felt worth mentioning in that vein. Definitely heard a bit about emotional agility. Uh, I think I've heard about the book before, and I think it's something that we end up talking a lot about in the show and is very helpful in couple communication in couples or in relationships where instead of reacting to what someone's done, kind of like responding to it and being able to not jump on the behavior, but the response is maybe more about talking about how you feel, you know, in response to something rather than reacting and criticizing the behavior. But we also do that with ourselves a lot, right? So I think there, there could be a lot of interest in that. So now I'm also interested in reading it too. Yes, no, I think I'm thinking a lot this year about reacting and responding and how often are my reactions actually in line with my actual feelings instead of just my my ego being tickled in ways that I don't like or don't know how to handle. <laughs> so definitely, yeah, always seeking a, a higher level of being in touch with myself. Um, the other thing that I've been exploring a lot is femme domination. Pew, pew, pew. And just domination in general. But yeah, I've been doing doing a lot of research. I've created a nice little document and <laughs> I've just got spaces for articles and videos and YouTube videos and also, yeah, room for notes um, I, I found one person recently that I've really really been enjoying which is Ms. LX on YouTube who has made a lot of really neat digestible little videos that break down 
a lot of topics in in a way that I, my brain is responding really well to. I'm kind of at the point in my domination top journey where I know that there's this side of me that I'm very interested to develop and explore, but I don't quite know everything that she's about yet or the way that she likes to dominate and like what where does the pleasure come from so I guess I'm trying to do this research to kind of yeah help help develop that personality persona that I want to step into sometimes some of the topics that I've watched videos on so far have been around getting a date with an alpha female, red flags for fake subs, that one I enjoyed particularly, uh, non-physical punishment inspiration, how to be a soft dom, how as a more experienced sub you can support and encourage a newbie dom, but it just feels like a really lovely entry point into getting inspiration because so much of the foundation of domination seems to be running the show. I really like the sound of that, Vix, because I think everybody does have this idea of like a femdom queen is like this and it must be done this right way and there must be right and wrong. And so any resources that help you cultivate your own persona, see what you respond to sounds really, really good. And it sounds like her resources are good for subs to absorb as well as people that are interested in domination. So that sounds really good. Uh, my learning lane is really similar to your emotional agility. Um, I've been reading a book I've had for a while called Self-Compassion, The Proven Power of Being Kind to Yourself. That's by Kristen Neff. Uh, it's very soothing. It's a little nice audiobook version. She really sounds like she could be like your Midwest aunt from the States, like really sweet, really lovely. It is both practical and research-based in terms of talking to you about why you should uh, practice accepting yourself, practice this self-compassion, how it helps you do everything else, where a lot of our own garbage and judgment came from, why we try and protect ourselves that way, benefits of letting go. So I'm reading that for myself, but also related to some of the work that I do to try and make this seem more possible for people or how can we bring interactivity into these make it a bit more active instead of just sort of reading theory and things like that so she's written so much about the topic so anything by Kristen Neff there's lots about self-acceptance compassion loving kindness meditations uh, and all sorts of things that you can read so lots of resources online for that And I think that's just about all we've done learning-wise. Uh, Vix and I have also just been coming out of a lockdown at the time of recording too, so our brains are a little bit mashed potato, really. So what has been bringing us joy, Vix, as we move on over into a bit of a weekly wonderful moment? That's a great question, because, you know, honestly, the last few weeks have contained very little joy. <laughs> joyful joyful things have been um, because, like, friends have been under such emotional duress like uh, increased aspects of emotional intimacy with people because they cannot contain <laughs> their 
their emotions lately. But I don't know if that's a bit of a fudged up thing to say of a weekly wonderful. I'm glad my friends were having a bad time. I'm not glad my friends were having a bad time, but I'm glad that I could, you know, be there or be with them and that it was uh, okay to, to be quote unquote messy with each other and still have, you know, that the love is there and strong. So I guess that's the sort of thing, you know, I, I enjoy. Like, I've been living in Melbourne for, yeah, just just under four years. So, you know, I'm really lucky to have some really intimate, beautiful relationships here. But, you know, you're still doing the, like, the graft of, like, being in somebody's life long enough to see them over all different kinds of you know, of phases of who they are. Me and Lauren and a lovely friend, uh, Kathy, went out for a high tea yesterday um, because restrictions got lifted a little bit so we could go out into public. So we had sparkling wine and cute little yum yum treats. So that was very, very delightful after mostly being stuck inside. And I guess... You know, I'm turning 30 in a couple weeks, so that's actually wonderful, but also terrifying and awful, and I don't want to, but I also do want to. So the good part is that I'm planning uh, little things to do with friends to celebrate, but also uh, lots of strange feelings about it. I think this is maybe my worst, uh, like, what weekly wonderful description ever, but um, I've tried my best. We just had a short lockdown that is gradually lifting and we'll see how that goes. But it really brought me back all the way back to how I was feeling when we had like a five month lockdown last year. Like it was just like a slingshot kapow kind of thing. So I've definitely felt like low and sad and all this other hard stuff has been happening. And it's been really good in therapy for me to have conversations about is my mental health bad right now or am I just feeling quite sad because it's actually a hard situation because I'll feel negative and then be really worried that my mental health might actually be really deteriorating or something. And I'm still learning to navigate the difference between feeling sad and uncomfortable or being emotional in a moment or for an afternoon or for a night. And does that mean, oh, I actually need to do a lot of mental health work or what do I do about that? I'm still learning that. So <laughs> having friends that I can talk to about about that kind of thing uh, has been really, really helpful. I mean, I have still, there's still so much in my life that I'm trying to like pick up the pieces, figure it out, get a momentum back because motivation, concentration, all of that just like exploded in lockdown. But I did uh, take a moment to play a new Switch game. I really enjoyed this game called Later Daters. It was so cute. It's a, like a dating game, a visual novel where you're an old person going into a retirement home. You There's great inclusivity. You can choose your pronouns. You can choose the kind of relationship that you had coming into it. Or you can not have had a relationship. You can be ace. You can be can be trans you could be non-binary like oh there's just so much good stuff in it and so many amazing diverse cast of characters I don't want to spoil anything but I think it's pretty cheap to get on switch uh, the development team are super awesome I was just really tickled by it you know it's not not a perfect game by any stretch but it had some poly representation that I'm like this shit is really hard to build and implement. Like, that's just really hard to do. So it was just really sweet, and I hadn't played anything like that. The theme song also fucking rules. So for those of us who are gamers, yeah, go play Later Daters. Super fucking cute. Oh my god, I can't wait. I downloaded it as soon as Lauren told me about it. It's actually probably what I'm going to do after we do this recording, actually. I love that. I love that. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. 
So Vic, something that we like to do as we're approaching the end of the the end of the season is to thank people who've taken the time and energy to leave us some reviews and share some lovely thoughts. So what have you got for us today? We have a lovely little review from Dana Danielle. Thank you so much. They had to say, can be tear jerking as the lovely hosts share stories and experiences that can easily make you go, me too. And you feel so excited to know that you're not alone with thinking, feeling certain things. Such a nice, inclusive podcast. Love it. Dana, Dana Danielle, that is so sweet. That is so nice. I've got such a big smile on my face reading that. That's exactly how we want people to feel. Ah, absolutely. It um, brings me brings me great joy that, you know, even one person could listen to this and, you know, feel less alone. That's lovely. That's exactly what we like. So, Vix, we've come to the end of another one of our juicy, lovely little episodes, and we're going to have all sorts of cool news and tidbits as we approach the end of the season. But no matter what season or time it is, people can still get involved, can't they? They can. One thing that we love to do is answer your questions or talk about topics that are of special interest to you. There are a couple of ways that you can feed us these questions or topics. That would be through our Twitter at DoneWonderfully or slipping us an anonymous message at our Curious Cat, which can be found at CuriousCat.QA slash WonderfullyDone. Wonderfully Done can be downloaded wherever you listen to your podcast, so make sure to tell your podcast listening friends where to find us. And hey, you're doing wonderfully.